Welcome to the Uncommon CEO Podcast, where we unpack the mindset, skills, and wisdom it takes to become an uncommon leader in a common world with your host, the Uncommon CEO himself, Andrew Smart. Andrew, good to have you back for the Uncommon CEO Podcast again. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Matt. I'm, like I said, I shared with you before, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm proud to be here. Yeah, absolutely. After going through a little health scare, you probably... Hopefully you've heard about from our last episode, you know, we're keeping chugging along. It's Yeah, you know, that that sharing sharing the story of um, you know, obviously difficult medical experience we've had and coming through mm-hmm. challenges, when I consider often the greatest challenges when you're facing life or death scenario, whether mm-hmm. it's physically, business. Um, and then, you know, who you are coming out of it. Um, you know, I, I ended that that podcast talking about being grateful. Mm-hmm. And that gratitude. Um, I think that too often in life we go through life not being grateful enough. And gratitude was uh, one of my words for the year. And mm-hmm. um, you know that. And and sometimes it takes a, a a tough event for us to experience to level set our mentality of gratitude. Mm-hmm. You forget how lucky you are until you are needing to be surrounded by those who love you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, and 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 it's not always about those who love you. It's it's recognizing that the people you need in your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, in that that story I shared, I mean, it was being surrounded by people who love you, but I needed the experts around me too. Yeah, no kidding. And so, being grateful that you have a whole host mm-hmm. of things in your life that we don't always see um, or acknowledge, mm-hmm. maybe a better word. So. So no, I'm I'm grateful to be here. I'm excited. Kind of want to share with you some thoughts that I've had. Talk to them about how it applies to life, business. Kind of how I've been challenging our organization. So, in my time, kind of off. What I like to say, it was kind of what I consider forced time off. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people wired the way I do have to be forced sometimes to take that time off. We, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're not always good at, and I know through my wife's journey, not always being enough good to be like, okay, I just need to kind of shut it down, get away. You know, when I was in my early, early years of building business, the franchise company, the restaurants, things like that, I'd go on vacations, but I could never really be on vacation. It's hard to settle. Yeah, I mm-hmm. couldn't, I couldn't. And, and I felt like so much of it relied on me. Well, when you're physically knocked out, you're 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 thrown into a state where well, there's not a lot I can do at this point. So I guess I gotta trust people and mm-hmm. right. So um so it was really good. It was really good because I got the opportunity to read some books, you know, do some of the things I like doing when I can get away. Mm-hmm. And and I it, it brought me back to you know some things that that i'm thinking about where am i at what am i doing what am i you know my word for this year is discipline i've done some really good discipline things i'm not where i want to be overall in discipline um got knocked off a little bit with being this medical deal and got a mm-hmm. level set and reset some areas um but i but i had that time to to do some reflection i also had the time um to spend you know recently with some people, you know, friends and colleagues and people in the organization at a event that I always like to attend every year. You were absolutely, you were there, mm-hmm. um, is, is the all in ball that's for the Dabo Sweeney foundation mm-hmm. and had the, had the blessing of being able to 
spend a great time, but also share with people some behind the scenes of, of an organization I'm proud to be a part of, a university and a culture that I'm proud to be a part of, and obviously a football program I'm proud to be a part of, mm-hmm. and to see what they do, to see what what standards they have, to to kind of get outside of our normal box to see what how does this thing operate, why does it operate that way, and, and what are the results of that overall mental culture there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really want to talk through that. Um, I want to talk about, uh, you know, some of the things that we experienced there, but I want to talk about what I took away from all that time and that time, that time away and that time that we had. And I wrote here, you know, in my notes that, um, at the very top, you know, I wrote up, I, I wrote the word inspect. Mm-hmm. So what does the word inspect mean to you? Well, to look closely at something against an expectation because no matter what you have some sort of expectation of what's going to be there when you inspect or look a little closer um you may be comparing it to a standard you may be just comparing it to a preconception of what you think is going to be there but it's essentially scrutinizing detail to compare it to something else yeah if you go to buy a home Anyone who has to buy a home, part of the home process of purchase is it requires an inspection. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just part of the process, which you've had before, I've had before. Oh, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so you, you get this inspection. Now, have you ever bought a house that you've had an inspection, but once you've had the inspection, signed the box there, you get to your house, have you ever had some things that were missed? Well, like my entire current house. We bought, <laughs> exactly. it on, we bought it on a short sale. So they're like, we can inspect it, but you're getting what you're getting here, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I, every time I've had that deal on inspection, I'm like, they didn't really inspect everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they, they notated a few things, went through, but they didn't really inspect anything. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's a common theme with inspections. I think in that environment, inspection is a check the box. Google things. Sometimes they'll catch a few things, maybe some of the major things, but there's a lot of things that you don't need. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so I wrote on the top here, uh, expect what you inspect. Mm-hmm. So when you have that word expect, so if you only inspect to a bare minimum level, what should your expectations be? They should be low. I mean, if you are going to go on a road trip and the only thing you check is your gas level, and you end up with a flat tire. What did you expect? You didn't evaluate it before you left. Mm-hmm. You didn't see it. I mean, some cars, obviously today, we get a little lazy because we got all these sensors yeah. that tell us. Mm-hmm. But you know, I grew up where you actually had to use a gauge to make yeah, sure. Yeah, had were... to pull that oil. Yeah, out. Yeah. yeah, you can get you didn't the entire gauges. Mm-hmm. You know, most people don't know how to use one these days, and so. But no, I mean, it's a what expect what you inspect, and so. Thinking about that, here's a statement. Truth is confirmed by inspection and delay. So when we talk about truth is confirmed, we inspect, and the delay process is that, processing, mm-hmm. you know, evaluating what we expect. Falsehood by haste and uncertainty, and that was by a Roman historian called Tacitus. So that's a quote, Okay. The truth is confirmed by inspection and delay. 
Okay. If we will look at this and dive deep and delay and evaluate what we're seeing, okay, that will give us truth. Falsehood in life is when we just go through it really quickly and and creates an uncertainty. So we just go through, we don't really care. Checking the box. Mm-hmm. Check the box. You know, we got to make sure on a housing form, you check the box. Mm-hmm. But it leaves uncertainty there. Yeah. If you rush through a process, you're going to miss a lot of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and so looking at, you know, the expect what you inspect. Okay. So we're not always good at doing deep inspection in life. We're not always doing it in business and we're damn sure not always doing it well in who we have around us. Mm-hmm. The people, you know, in our organization and our life, do we do an inspection on them or do we just kind of go right through it? Well, I wanted to share that, um, that, you know, I'm a historian. So mm-hmm. I, I love history, and I, I love reading history. I love reading leadership. I uh, love entrepreneurial minds. But um, I think about George Washington. Okay, George Washington, who's obviously the greatest American, you know, in our history. I mean, he's he's he's, he's the father of our country. Okay, um, who who was an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's a business guy, entrepreneur, leader, president general, all this kind of thing. So he encompasses all those areas. Okay. George Washington arguably could uh, have experienced his greatest challenge back in, in during the Revolutionary War. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if he was alive today, he might say, no, my greatest challenge was, was having to deal with all these politicians later in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, he might say that. Yeah, sure. Um, but I, I, from a historical standpoint, we often look at his leadership on the battlefield and saying, okay, here's a guy who went up against the greatest army of all time at that time um, uh, in the British Redcoats. Mm-hmm. Um, and and here he's trying to lead a ragtag group of guys to take on you know, the British and, and, and lead them through very you know, difficult resources, not having that. I mean, just a really tough time. And here he's in the worst winter of 1778 at Valley mm-hmm. Forge. And so I kind of look at it, that might have been his greatest issue because of, of his life because he's in terrible environment, no resources. Mm-hmm. He's got a hodgepodge of different guys, and he's struggling, okay, what, what am I going to do with this floundering army when we're trying to fight for an independence, which would ultimately become the United States? Mm-hmm. So man's got a lot of pressure, Matt. Yeah, a little bit going on. Yeah. Blood pressure is a little elevated there. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. And so, so he, he, he's doing this evaluation and he's looking at, okay, I'm inspecting where I'm at at that time. Mm-hmm. And what's he doing? I wrote down some notes here. He said, you know, okay, I've got no discipline, no organizational structure. So he's got, he's got, he's got an undisciplined rank here. My organizational structure sucks. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he said, you know, he said he's dealing with morale. I mean, when you got people dying out there, in the freezing cold, all kind of diseases. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you're starving. Morale's bound to be low, right? Yeah, I would think so. And so, and so, you know, he's he's got surrounded with him farmers, tradesmen, merchants, and 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 because these people weren't, they didn't spend their life as soldiers. Mm-hmm. They spent their life doing their trade. So he's got all of that, and he has a lack of discipline. Because these people, they're 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 not truly 
military career guys. Mm-hmm. They're guys who just volunteered to join an organization and go fight a highly trained military. Mm-hmm. Odds were against him. His, his, his inspection was that. So what should have been his expectation? If I got all these things, what should he expect? I mean, he was he had his back against the wall. If he had it the other way around, you you want to be set up for success. Matt, I think most people after that inspection would say it's time to throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's how most people would have operated. Yeah, but I can't think. I mean, you know, outside of Jesus, I think you know, uh, you know, George Washington. You title the uncommon mentality, the uncommon thought, mm-hmm. the uncommon leader. I think George Washington represents uncommon all day long. Sure, yeah. And so, you know, and 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 you can you see that through from the beginning of his life all the way through. And and most leaders that I've studied, you know, the 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 Abe Lincoln's, the Grants, the George Pattons, the you know, you, you see people in a very similar life where they. If, if if you look at their life, they, they really shouldn't have ended where they did. They mm-hmm. shouldn't have become what they did because there's so many things that that should have gone a different way, but they didn't. And so, so yeah, he represents you know the epitome to me of uncommonness and 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 a, and, and, and a willingness and a determination and against all the odds of uncommonness. Because mm-hmm. I mean. George Washington could have come back to Mount Vernon's business. Yeah. I mean, he he built a business, tobacco and, and, and farming. He could have gone back to his business and said, ah, to hell with this, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys, appreciate you volunteering. We tried a good run, but it's damn cold out here. Yeah. Let's take it to the house. I've got better things to do. Yeah, yeah let's take it to the house. This, 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 is, this, is, this ain't working out. I understand we got to pay a little more taxes. Mm-hmm. You know, but maybe that... Maybe that colonial rule deal wasn't so bad, but that's not where he went. Mm-hmm. He he took all the elements and all the issues, and he said, "I'm not throwing in the towel, but I need help." And every great leader is not self-made. You know, we talk about um, business and leadership today. We we'll bring up names like Warren Buffett, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, but if you look at Warren Buffett, the first thing it says, you know, you know that. That if I didn't have Charlie, you know, by my side, Charlie Margaret, you know, that mm-hmm. if I didn't have him, I wouldn't be who I am. Yeah. He made by those who surround him as well. And every great leader, if they're truly a great leader, will say that. They're not, they're so they're not, and they don't do it alone. They gotta have people with them. And George was the same way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and what did George Washington do? Well, he reached out to Benjamin Franklin and he said, Look, here's my issues. I mean, and I I think he probably reached out to more people, but I know Benjamin Franklin was the key person who kind of helped him out of this. And he said, I need help in this area. I, you know, it doesn't matter what the strategy I have. It doesn't matter how high I sit on my horse. Okay. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter how much I believe that we can be successful. I need someone who has more skills in an area that I'm not skilled in. And Benjamin Franklin said, I got your guy. Mm-hmm. He said, I got your guy, because he he needed someone who could enact discipline, who could evaluate where we're at, who could see, you know, those needs, but not just see them, could implement things to help them. 
And who did he find? He found General Friedrich Wilhelm von Steuben. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this this Prussian general. This guy who basically has been in the military since he was 17 years old. Um, he would go on a fight in the Seven Years' War. Um, he would be, he'd work in all kind of areas uh, within the military of whether, you know, it's commissary, you know, supply, obviously training to, to being an aide to Frederick the Great. He had, he's been everywhere and experienced everything. And at this time, there is a soldier who quoted this, but he was known as the fable God of war himself. Mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty strong statement of who you are. The yeah. fable God of war itself. I mean, you're compared to Mars and Aries and some, you know, some pretty big names up there. You're, you're, you, you know, they got you on a pretty high <laughs> pedestal there. Yeah. This guy, this guy is the guru of war. Mm-hmm. And if you're George Washington, I got these issues. I want the guru. Mm-hmm. I want that guy. And so he did, you know, he, they got, you know, Frederick to come be with them at Valley Forge. And what Washington made him was the first, the army's general inspector. So he made him, this guy he said, Hey man, I need you to evaluate who we are. Cause a general inspector, you know, I, not everybody knows what that does. I mean, the, the army has them, the, you know, obviously uh, the United States, we have an inspector general, mm-hmm. but most people, if I had to ask them, I said, Hey, what does an inspector general do? I did that with you and the team, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think we came up with uh, some bulletproof answers like inspect. Inspect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously they inspect. Yes, they do. They actually, in, um, their job is to evaluate whether it's the army to evaluate all kinds of areas of the army, compliance, these kind of things. How are we doing? Mm-hmm. But they're not just people to inspect. They have some pretty good powers. Mm-hmm. The, the, the United States Inspector General reports to Congress. They're, they they can arrest you. They can oh, yeah. take I it. Mean, the, it's part of checks and balances. You have to have somebody that can inspect. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. So they're, they're a very critical role. And Washington made him the first Army's Inspector General. And in 1778, he wrote... Uh, the regulation for the order and discipline of the troops of the United States. Okay. The regulation for the order and discipline of the troops of the United States. He started creating standards. Mm -hmm. Okay. In his inspection, he said, we have either low standards or no standards. I've got to establish standards. And those standards that he created still live today within our armed forces. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they've evolved just through time. But for 245 years, the idea of good order and discipline and the value of inspections has been the mainstay of not just our military, but of every great one. Mm. 245 years. His standards kind of set the tone for a lot of standards in other countries. But have been, you know, the mainstay, the foundational point, standards. You inspect and you see the level of your standards. I made a point in, you know, in this thought, you know, that no leader of any good standing ever questions the need for inspections. Okay. Um, um, and that's a quote that I've heard that no leader, you know, I mean, of any good standing hasn't ever questioned the need for inspections. None of us like to be inspected. Mm-mm. I made a point with, with you and the team that said, Hey, um, 
For those of us who get physicals every year, that's an inspection. That is, that is something we sign up and say, you know what, it's good for us to do an evaluation of our overall health, right? That's a good thing. Sure, yeah. Um, but I also made a point, nobody likes to, to go and say, man, God, I can't wait for that physical I got next week. Yeah, no kidding. Can't wait to stay. Everyone on that I scale. ever know is like, yeah. damn it, I got a physical next week. Mm-hmm. Ugh, better cut the booze off this week. <laughs> Maybe if I just do it the yeah. weekend. You know? Yeah, get a few days good running into it. Yeah, yeah that, mm-hmm. this, this, every one of us that way. Why? Because we we go in there with a perception that we're going to be worse than we were the year before. We, we get a fear perspective. Mm-hmm. And we don't like it. You know, you know, it's, it's that first step in it. I mean, the first thing that you're ever going to do when you get your physical is walk in and get weighed. Who likes doing that? I don't like doing it when I go in there. I'm sick. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't come here to get that. Yeah, come on. At least let me take my shoes off. Yeah. yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I, oh, I, I take my coat off, put my keys over there. Phone's my phone down. Yeah. I don't need anything working against me. Yep, I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, and so nobody likes it. So you go, to, you go get your, you know, your weight inspected. And then what's the next thing? They're putting a cuff on your arm and doing blood pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, that's always a great. Well, those two are interrelated there. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, of course my blood pressure's up. It's just on the scale. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, I mean, that's 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 what they do. But the doctor goes through, does blood analysis, work, stuff like that. And the whole idea is to give you an evaluation aspect of where you're at. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't know where you are, if you don't have a baseline inspection, how can you ever improve? Now, improving the choice, but you need to evaluate and inspect, right? Yeah, you, ha- you have to know where your starting ground is to ever get better. That's the level of what a doctor's trying to do in inspection. But here's the thing, in, in life, in our organizations, and team, we should be taking that same mentality. Inspect, evaluate, mm-hmm. look at where you're at, assess. Mm-hmm. But we're not always committed to that. So, you know, Matt, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an owner and CEO of an organization and, and I can tell you within our organization, we, we, I, I love the value of, of having audits and analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and why? Because whenever you have a financial audit, your, you know, it gives you an evaluation of what you're doing, how you're doing on a financial standpoint. Um, and, and a good leader CEO values financial audits. Now I've, um, we didn't always do a financial audit. Um, mm-hmm. and, and because we didn't always do a financial audit, we'd often do a financial review, which wasn't a deep deal. Um, I went, you know, we, you, you've been with me. We rode through some pretty tough times of some issues that happened with our organization sure. that if I had been doing financial audit would give a great chance to put in some checks and balances and catch some bad players. Mm-hmm. So because I wasn't doing it and because I was recommended by some previous people to not do it, but, but because I wasn't doing it, um, I didn't see it. The things can't rise to the surface if you're not inspecting. And so to this day, even though there's a cost to it, what I learned to that process is there's a cost to an audit, but there's a greater cost to not doing it. Mm-hmm. So it's the old statement, you know, you're going to pay now or pay later. Sure. But you're definitely going to pay. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I, I can get everybody on board on the financial audit, but what I, what I'm working with our organization and team is okay. That same rigor that that we apply to financial audit, do we truly apply that to every level of an organization? You know, 
And the truth is quite often we, not, we don't. Um, it's, it's no different having, you know, audits through in your life, you know, you know your I'm, personal finance. Your physicals and Physical. Audit. Yeah. But do we take that rigor to every part of it? Mm -mm. It's like, it's like I can get it. It's like if you have, if you have bad habits, you smoke, you, you drink too much, you eat bad, okay? Um, um, you're going to get an evaluation if you go through a physical and, 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 and the doctor's going to try to correct you on all of them, okay? Mm -hmm. But if you if, if you're if you're a smoker, but you decide I'm going to exercise, but you don't quit smoking, you start eating bad. I mean, I don't even work out well, is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're only inflating one tire on the car. Yeah. You know. I mean, I think all of us want to go through life saying, "Hey, we have little to no vices." But I said, if you're going to have a vice, be careful the one you choose. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, and if you got them all. That isn't good. We're not perfect people. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, you you can't, you know, you can't carry all the vices. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is it's it's, it's it's a recipe for a quick end to it all. So, um, so you have to evaluate that. But, but looking at you know, I think often inspections of 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 of, and I'm gonna stick to business on this. You know, people. People don't like inspections or evaluation because it automatically, our mind goes negative on them. Mm -hmm. You know, oh gosh, you know, Andrew's coming to the plant. I've heard this many times. If I pull up there, it's like the radios are going like, <laughs> he's here. Yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. He's here. It's like, it's all points bulletin. Mm -hmm. He's showing up and everybody's scrambling. I mean, that's not what I want. I want people to embrace the opportunity of inspections. And and to embrace that, hey, I'm I'm not here to just walk around and tell you what you're doing wrong. I'm out here to learn, to help, to mm -hmm. engage. You know, sometimes it's to be able to say, okay, no, I, we're going to go a different direction. But it's like the doctor; he's not there to tell you, man, man, I'm sorry, man, you're worthless. Sure. Just saying, no, he's there to help you. Yeah, absolutely. He's there to help you in that challenge, and I'm the same way, and so. You know, we know that because often people get a negative morale to it, I think there's an opportunity to really make it positive. You know, and 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 they're not just about, you know, ensuring that we're complying. Inspections, you know, are all about what is, are we disciplined in these areas? What are we doing? That so they're not all about just, you know, checking a box of compliance. I think, and I wrote this down, when discipline is applied, you know, the people know where they're at in the organization, meaning that when when we evaluate, okay, just like at the doctor or just like in school, we're doing, you know, you let people know where they're at. And I think, because I know I'm this way, I'd rather know where I'm at. Mm -hmm. I think one of our biggest failures in leadership, and I put leadership not as pe people get a title, they automatically put themselves in leadership. But a title doesn't make you a leader. And so if you're not evaluating your team, if you're not evaluating your people, if you're not giving, if you're not listening and giving feedback, your your level of, of, of being able to influence and help people is low. Mm -hmm. And I think as leaders, our number one job is to inspect our people. Because if we want to get better, we have to assess, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, you know, it is, I, I know, and I, and I wrote this down, I shared this before, balance between too much oversight 
and scrutiny, okay? It's not about, hey, you know, we're, we're here every day to, I'm not walking in, how many times do I walk in your office and just, that I'm sitting there evaluating, giving you a bunch of oversight and scrutiny? Very rare, right? Very rare. Yeah. And I don't think Marty does that over, overly to you, right? No. I think if you have great people, trust them to do their job, but make sure you're still evaluating and engaging. But what happens here? So we know that, you know, that too much oversight, too much screening. What happens, though, when you left people totally unattended? Yeah, if you leave people totally unattended, um, you know, there's a few things we were earlier joking about. When the cat's away, the mice will play, that sort of mentality. But people take their eye off the ball if there isn't some sort of regular interaction that translates to accountability at the end of the day. I always like to equate it to a good parent, okay? A good parent is, you know, when your child's really, really young, you're kind of really over them a lot, you know, because, I mean, you know, a, a baby, a young toddler, they can get anything any second, right? I mean, it's oh, just yeah. like, I mean, you turn your back on them, they're yep. in something. And so so what I, what I like to say is, as obviously as our children get older, a good parent understands the importance of, of giving them more leash, mm-hmm. more room to maneuver, you know, with it. Like, so, you know, at, at my children, Drew and Claire at 12 and 13, um, they can jump, you know, on their scooters and they go across the neighborhood and they can go in and, and, but they do need to check in, you know, mm-hmm. they do need to adhere to being back on these particular times. They, they still have to have some rules of engagement. Sure. You know, that when they were younger, I mean, you know, if Drew and Claire were five and six, I wasn't going to let them jump on bikes and scooters and take off, you know, down the road. I mean, no, I mean, you wouldn't have done that. That wouldn't have been a good parent. Mm-hmm. But we we start building that level of trust, but also evaluating them. How they how are they handling it? Mm-hmm. My, my kids have the, the, the eye watch. The, the, and, mm-hmm. and you know you, you can call and do anything that i watch so there's this ongoing debate on cell phones in, mm-hmm. in, in the house and i i'm not ready to go there their mother would probably go there but i'm not ready and 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 and, and that's probably more me um that that i feel like that you know when we were coming along one we didn't have cell phones at their age i mean i remember first cell phone i ever saw was like a bag phone yeah for sure you know, it's a, and, and by the time we got cell phones, I mean, I had a cell phone in, in, in high school, uh, or late in high school, but it was a big old flip device, um, mm-hmm. Motorola. I remember the Motorola. Um, and the I remember taking it to college. Nokia brick back then. Yeah, it was a, it was a big, one. had a big old battery, you know, and, mm-hmm. and so, um, but you know, you know what those cell phones didn't have access to? I mean, the internet didn't particularly have text messaging back then. I guess you had some. Didn't have any text messaging back then. I remember when text messaging came because yeah. remember text message was a pain in the butt because your first cell phones, you know, were, were the smaller ones you could do text messaging on. But you remember you had the ABC like on, oh, yeah. the, on number two, and the, you know, it was like it's so like it was like a pain in the butt to do text messaging. The, the ones who saw that was when BlackBerry came out. Oh yeah, when where you had a true keyboard. keyboard. Yeah. yeah, so so BlackBerry was the first to kind of really email and text messaging. But so you didn't really, I mean, this, the phone back then was a phone. 
the technology, and you've heard the same before, there's more technology in your phone today than there was on the Apollo 13. Yeah. I mean, the supercomputer of the 90s probably doesn't match up to a device you can put in no, your pocket now. I mean, now. we have laptops and everything, but the truth is we can run most things on our phone. Mm-hmm. I do as much work on my phone as I do on my laptop. Pro- more, probably. Yep. And so, and so the phones today, so many great things. But like anything great, it creates opportunity for not great. It creates opportunity mm-hmm. for, um, you know, access to things you want to kind of protect your kids from at this age. They're going to reach an age where you can't protect your kids from because there's a lot of good out there, but there's a lot of bad. And the unfortunate sure. part about bad is a lot of bad is forced into the system. So mm-hmm. you can stumble on bad and not even try and stumble on bad. Yeah. Bad tends to find you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, I know at their age, I wouldn't have been good at it. Mm-hmm. But going back to the balance and oversight and scrutiny, um, you know, that we understand that when we leave things unintended and when we don't inspect and we don't, it creates a sloppy, undisciplined, you know, culture. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I say this because I know this. If I'm not inspecting me, and if I'm not, inv- you know, my basic nature, because it's human nature, is 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 it's kind of be a little sloppy, you know. I mean, it's easy to be lazy, sure, you know. And so we can quickly shift over there. Mm-hmm. And so I understand it's important to evaluate and inspect, and good leaders understand that. I think that um, in my analysis and understanding, and where I come back to, because what I want to do a better job. My word this year is discipline, not just for myself, not just for my health, not just for my life, not just for. It's, it's like, I want to make sure that I'm doing that better as an organization. I'm intentionally taking action, mm-hmm. that I am, I'm engaging at all levels within the organization. And so, because I want our people un- to understand that their work, meaning that their, what they do every day will be judged. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm judged. You know, I mean, I mean, our performance and, and, and who I got to answer to, I'm judged on. Everyone should be judged. Um, reviewed, okay? You know, it's not just sitting there judging and analysis reviewing. I mean, they're, they're taking time to review and going back to the inspect and graded deal. My kids are in the last quarter. Your kids are in the last quarter of school, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's the same thing. I mean, performance is judged, right? Yeah. Performance is reviewed. A good teacher is inspecting work, right? Yeah, there's a series of whether it be tests or evaluations or essays or standardized. I think my kids are in that testing phase right now. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's graded. If I'm being graded on this deal and I come in with the C, I've got a choice to say, do I want to maintain that C? Because my my only options are to go above it or below it. Yeah. And so performance should be measured. And so I think while our human nature and people's human nature is to complain about the idea of being expected, you know, inspected and, and evaluated performance. I think I know I do when I go through it. I appreciate having the information. I appreciate knowing where I'm at. You know, when I walk out from that doctor, I might not have liked everything he told me, mm-hmm. but I appreciate because at least I know it now. Yeah. And if I don't know it, I can't fix it. If I don't know it, I can't, I have a choice, but it's hard to have a choice when you don't know anything. Mm -hmm. So Andrew, we've talked about the inspecting, giving you a what to expect. 
we like to call fourth and goal on the podcast. What is, what's the main takeaway for our listeners today? I want to, you know, just wrap up this idea of inspection, this idea of as individuals, as organization, if we would truly do the deep dive, if we would truly take the, the steps to inspect, you know, and, 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 and go deep, we can raise the bar of our expectations. But if we don't do it, then our expectations should always be low. And so I'm committed to being a better inspector because when I, when I have that information, I have the ability to help more as a leader. Thanks for joining us today on the Uncommon CEO Podcast. Subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. We have video episodes on our YouTube channel and more Uncommon Wisdom on our social media. Find all our links and resources at UncommonCEOPodcast.com. For Andrew Smart and all of us here at the Uncommon CEO, stay uncommon.